Where is God when I need him? And why is he so angry with me? You're listening to Unsweet and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 33 of season two. In today's episode, we speak to Sada Sultan about the impact trauma has on our faith, those crucial but shameful questions we're too embarrassed to ask out loud, and what do we do when we're too depressed to pray? Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Where is God? I think this is a question that some of us can never, ever, ever imagine ourselves asking this in private or public or whatnot, but you can't negate the fact that there are people out there who are struggling so much and they can't even come up for air when in regards to their hardships that they are asking themselves this question. And I think this episode is for them. And this episode is also for people who feel guilty when they don't pray, when they don't have the energy to connect to God for various reasons. I'm not going to just sit here and say what it might be, but yeah, some people are truly depressed, too depressed to pray. I think we don't realize that like faith is a journey and everyone's journey is so personalized to them and just because we don't understand someone else's journeys or the the questions that are going through their head or why they're not praying or why they're not doing what we're supposed to do as Muslims doesn't give us the right to judge them yeah in regards to journey even like dealing with trauma like yeah sometimes trauma can affect the perception you have on yourself but it can also impact your perception of your faith and um, your connection with your creator and whatnot this is why I think this episode is very very important I really hope it really helps a lot of people out there and of course we have a very special guest, um, none other than Sara Sultan, who is a licensed therapist. She's also a fellow at Yakin Institute. She's also an instructor at Mishka University. She's just somebody who's very passionate about Islam, the growth process, the healing process, and just connecting with our faith, but also being realistic and also including those type of people in, in this conversation, the people who feel like they are, you know, they feel a bit of shame and guilt surrounding their, you know, connection to our faith. And like I said, feeling depressed, too depressed to pray. That's something that I feel like we need to answer. We need to talk about this. And we do in this episode. And we can't leave them out of the conversation when it comes to faith and reconnecting to God, because if we do, I feel like it's going to only push them further away from where they really want to be. You know what I mean? Like people who are going through, and there's so many people who are going through a loss of connection when it comes to our faith. And when we don't include them in the conversation, it kind of makes them feel more of outcasts. Do you know what I mean? You guys, we ask a lot of tough questions from Sada 
also, honestly, I just absolutely enjoyed her as a guest. Yes, she was just absolutely. so easy to talk to. It was just a very non-judgmental just sphere to be able to just have this conversation, this discussion without feeling guilty about saying certain things. Like, yeah, if God existed, why is the world in shambles and whatnot? You know, obviously, I'm past these thoughts. I'm not, I don't think that way. But again, we have to include other people in the conversation. And it's like, if you're somebody who feels like your soul is so tired, where you feel like you're just so, so empty on the inside nobody understands you you just feel like you're literally just wilting away this is a conversation that you need to hear and i really hope it helps if you need more help just please reach out to us we'll definitely provide resources and whatnot but again we can't you know express enough gratitude and appreciation towards sada sultan she is just a light in our community and i can't thank her enough for coming on here and for answering these super super tough questions but we tried our best to get very vulnerable and very raw and ask questions that might be on other people's minds yes and we're really we're the type of people here on this podcast we leave judgment at the door and i think going into this episode you guys need to do that as well because you cannot judge other people on what they're going through and that disconnect that they're feeling between themselves and god I think that's a perfect way to just segue into this episode. Thank you to Sada. And I really hope that you guys can stick around to listen to our unfiltered afterthoughts where we just, you know, dissect the episode and the conversation just a little bit further. Are you ready to dive in, Zaina? Let's do it. Thank you so much, Sada, for joining us. I think this is a conversation that's been on the back of our minds for the longest. It's just also a conversation that's very hard to approach because some people might think these questions are controversial, such as, where is Allah, why is he angry with me? But these are questions that there are people right now in this moment that are asking themselves this. And I don't want them to feel so alone in their suffering. And I want them to know that we are all suffering in one way or another. But how can we get back to the point where we realize we do need Allah while we are going through these hardships that right now at this moment, Allah may seem like a stranger. How can we, you know, get to know him once again? How can we re-love Allah once again? So if you would like to introduce yourself first and then we can get right into it, inshallah. Sure, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, so my name is Sara Sultan. I am a licensed mental health counselor and licensed professional counselor. Um, right now I'm based in Houston, Texas, where I have a private practice. I'm a mom of two little ones, alhamdulillah. <laughs> and I'm just really passionate about uh, psychology, counseling, uh, mental wellness, and the intersection of Islamic values with that, which, you know, all of that is very much in line with Islam. I also am a research fellow for Yaqeen Institute, and I I also teach a course on uh, Islam psychology and counseling for Mishka University. Michelle, that's amazing. So many accolades under your belt. And I think you're the perfect person to have this conversation with because a lot of people like Dunya said are feeling this, are going through it, but they go through it in silence because they're afraid to bring it up because of what other people might assume or think of them. So I'm so happy we're having this conversation today with you. You know, when a lot of people are going through hardships, what they're told is pray more, connect with Allah more. But when you're in that moment, it might be hard to pull yourself up and actually perform a salah or have a conversation with Allah. So can we talk about the impact that trauma can have on our connection to God and our religion in general? 
No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really glad that you are both bringing up this topic because I think it's, it's really important to shed light on it because it brings up a lot of guilt uh, and shame. Uh, and you're right. People don't want to talk about it because they're afraid that if they bring it up, they're going to be made to feel worse. And that's the last thing they need in that moment. You know, whenever we're struggling, actually, there's a hadith of the Prophet Sallam where he talks like the companions come to him and they're like, you know, we have these thoughts that are so horrible that we couldn't bear to say them. We'd rather like jump through a fire than say them out loud. And so the Prophet Sallallahu asked, you know, so are you really, you know, struggling with this? And they said, yes. And he says, the discomfort that you're feeling with that is a sign of clear faith. So anybody who is struggling with these thoughts, realize you're in very good company, right? The companions of the Prophet were struggling with these difficult thoughts. And the fact that you're uncomfortable with them, the fact that they bring up these difficult emotions is in and of itself a sign of faith. So even if you're struggling to tell other people about it, their reactions might not be great. But go based on the words of the Prophet which he's reassuring you that your your faith is intact. These thoughts are just passing thoughts. They're not something you're judged on. But um, as to your question about trauma, absolutely, absolutely. Trauma, so a lot of times, first of all, when we hear trauma, we have the idea that trauma is, okay, I have survived a war. I have survived, you know, a, a sexual assault of some sort. I have survived some sort of really, really major traumatic incident. And that's the definition of trauma we've always traditionally known. But trauma is a lot broader than that. Um, and trauma can be a lot of small incidents piled on top of one another that lead to the trauma being stored in your body and coming out in really difficult ways, right? So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other part of it that you mentioned was the impact on faith. A lot of times people have this idea that Okay, trauma can, you know, like difficult situations can actually increase your faith. And in some people, that's amazingly true, right? MashaAllah, some people, they, they go through something and it's something that can result in like a spiritual awakening for them. But what's not often discussed is the opposite, that trauma can also have the opposite on, uh, impact on faith. It can really affect our spirituality and our ability to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, that brings me up to a point where, you know, when I lost my grandmother, it was a few years back, and it was, it was, I was so uncomfortable because that was the moment that I was questioning my faith. And I was like, Astaghfirullah, like I'm, this is what I was saying to myself. Like, I don't want anyone to feel guilty, but I was saying, I was like, at my age, I should be stronger in my faith and my iman. I should be like, okay, khalas, to Allah, we all return. That's just the way life goes. Why am I struggling with my faith at this point? But I have to realize it's very traumatic to see a loved one start to diminish right before your eyes, start to dissolve right before your eyes, and pass away right before your eyes. That's trauma. That's traumatic. But I think since passing away is very common, we think that it's normal, that it will not impact us in any way. But honestly, some people, like you said, it does impact them in certain, in different ways. So at that point, I struggled a lot, and I started to... You know, I just, just started to question myself and I started to question my prayers and everything because I was like, if I used to pray, was I really praying for the right reasons? Was I doing it correctly? Because if I was, why am I at this point where I'm struggling with my faith? What do we say to those people when they are questioning themselves and they feel like, why am I in this point? Why am I questioning the existence of God just because I went through this traumatic situation? And not just because, I mean, it is a traumatic situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and may Allah have mercy on your grandma and grant her a gentle fidelis. You know, when we go through a traumatic incident, it impacts us in every possible way, right? It impacts us emotionally, as we know, 
right? And that's the, the, the perspective that we often view it from. But it also impacts us physically and it impacts us um, psychologically and it impacts us uh, spiritually as well. Um, it impacts us even neurologically. Our brains are impacted by that. And so, you know, when you were talking about it, one of the things that I heard you say very often was, I should not be struggling. My iman should be stronger. You know, all of these different should statements. And that's something that in the field of psychology, we define as a cognitive distortion, which is an unhealthy thinking pattern that we hold ourselves to a certain expectation or we hold others to a certain expectation. You know, when someone's grieving, you should have gotten over it by now. Prayer should be enough for you. Reading Quran should be enough for you, right? All of these, whenever you hear the word should, or must come out of your mouth or somebody else's mouth, you know it's probably going to be an unrealistic expectation. And so when we hold ourselves to an unrealistic expectation, we have this impossible standard. And when we can't achieve the impossible, we stop trying to achieve the possible. So if it's not possible at that moment to feel super, super connected to Allah's Ta'ala, when we judge ourselves so deeply for that, we stop ourselves from trying to connect at all because we feel so far away. So we try for the impossible and it stops us from achieving the possible in that moment. And then also, you know, a lot of times what people don't don't realize is, you know, people tell them, okay, read Quran, pray, it's going to make. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence Islamically that these things can be healing along with your own psychological healing. If our brains are not in the space, right? So when a trauma happens, what happens to your brain is that your amygdala, which is this back area of your brain, like in the back of your head, it gets activated very, very strongly. And that's where, that's like your survival center. That's the fear center, the fight, flight, or freeze response center. And when that is very highly activated, the front part of your brain, which is called the prefrontal cortex, is kind of suppressed a bit. It diminishes in its function. And that's the area that's needed for feelings of safety, feeling, being able to make good judgment calls, decision-making, and things like that. And just executive functioning, right? Like really high level thought processes. In order to really feel your prayer and the positive impact of a prayer, your prefrontal cortex needs to be online. And if it if it's not online, it's not going to feel the same way. And so it's not a reflection when someone is like, well, I just can't feel my prayers and it's really discouraging. And my feelings, the, the, the emotion, right, is the struggle. That's not an indication of the state of your heart, right? It's not an indication of your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the state of your iman. Uh, it's an indication of the state of your brain. And that's a traumatized brain. And I think when more people know that, it alleviates some of that guilt and shame and then allows them to reach for the possible expectations and standards rather than holding themselves to an impossible one and just leaving it altogether. That's such a great point because there are people who do uh, emerge themselves in the salah and in their prayer and they're reading Quran every day, but they're not, they don't feel themselves anymore. They still feel that loss. So you're saying basically, and, and correct me if I'm incorrect, but you can't just rely 100% on salah. You have to do the other work as well. Yeah, you know, the thing is that Allah subhanahu wa has given us a lot of means, right, to be able to heal from things. You know, it's like if you if you get an infection, you go to the doctor, you're prescribed antibiotics. It's not an indication that you don't trust that Allah can cure you without the antibiotics. It's but you also know Allah gave me the means, and it's through this pill and through His will I can heal. It's the exact same thing when it comes to something that affects you psychologically or emotionally. There are a lot of means 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us to begin the healing process. One of those is Quran. One of those is prayer. But one of those is also therapy. And one of those are also psychiatric medications. So whatever is needed is something that we should take advantage of because in the end, all of these are coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're not an indication of lack of trust in him. It's like we have to find our way back to Salah, if that makes sense, because I feel like for me, Salah and prayer is healing. It really is. You genuinely find that. I mean, this is something prescribed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like Zaina said, if you're, you're depressed, you went through a traumatic situation and you're just diving into prayer, trying to find that healing, it's going to be hard because like you explained, Salah, there's a lot going on in your mind right now. Right away, when we think that like, you know, we're disassociating ourselves from Salah, we think it's because of our man, our faith. It has to do with our heart, but you just explained that it has more so to do with our mind. And that's what's really stopping us and creating this barrier between us and finding that fulfillment within prayer. And that's why those of us who might be clinically depressed or have anxiety or have these thoughts, that's why we suffer and we feel like we can't get up and do the five daily prayers. And we feel like that's the least thing that Allah asks of us is just the five daily prayers. And I can't even do that. So then, yeah, you're just drowning in yourself and all these judgments. It's going to honestly only push you further and further away. So for people like that, that want to try to genuinely start praying, what are the steps that they should take? You said to seek therapy. And what are some other things that they can do? And is it okay for them to slowly start to just do one prayer at a time? Again, we're not all scholars over here, but at least like we can give just some solace to those who are suffering, who do want to perform prayers, but they just can't get themselves to. No, you know, absolutely. And I think that that's very much a trick that our mind plays on us and also that shaitan plays on us. If you can't be perfect, there's no point in doing it. It's like this, the seeking, the the idea of seeking perfection that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will only take us if we are perfect, right? We'll only stay in our corner if we are perfect. But you know, one of the things that like there's a one of my favorite hadiths is that the, the Prophet is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that if we, like the son of Adam, right, like the mm -hmm. sons and daughters of Adam would stop sinning, he would destroy our people and create a new one so that they could sin and seek forgiveness. We're not expected to be perfect, but doing something is always better than nothing. And don't allow like these negative thought processes to begin to um, eat away at the existing relationship that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Allah reassures us that if you come to me walking, I'll come to you running. That's a, that's a step. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take more steps toward you. But, you know, it's about transforming little by little. Transformation is not something that happens overnight, right? If you're feeling like you're in such a dark space, you're dealing with depression. You can't even get out of bed in the morning. If you can do one thing for the sake of your connection with Allah, one thing that makes you feel a little bit uplifted that is a very, very positive step forward and never underestimate it because that one step will lead to another step, will lead to another step, inshallah, and it'll be a gradual process. You know, um, the Prophet says that the most beloved deeds of Allah are the ones that are consistent, even if they're small, right? And so if you're only doing one prayer a day, stay consistent in that because it builds. If you can only read one ayah a day or recite one surah that you have memorized, just make a commitment to decide, okay, every day I'm going to recite Qurullahu Ahad, right? Like this is going to be something that I just don't want to let go of. I want to maintain this connection. Do it, right? And it'll, and that is something that you should never underestimate. 
because no good ever comes from underestimating the good that you do. Absolutely. And you actually brought up a point earlier that I kind of want to reiterate because we've mentioned this in previous episodes, but guilt is actually God's gift to us. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about right now is Allah sends us that guilt in order to remind us that that connection is still there. And that's his gift to us just to remind us that he is still around us. He is still here. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about is even if you are only doing one salah or reading one ayah a day and you still have that urge to continue doing that, that's Allah's reminder to us. And I think that's just a beautiful thing to remember if you are going through something. I think that's such a beautiful reminder. Absolutely, Michelle. And, you know, one thing that I always think of, right, whenever you do a good deed, that is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is willing that to happen, which means that he wants you to have that closeness to you. He wants to be close to you, right? And the the other thing that came to mind as you were talking about that is like the difference between guilt and shame. Healthy guilt propels you toward self-improvement, holding yourself accountable, trying to grow, right? Where like guilt is the idea that I'm not happy with this behavior. This action is something I'm struggling with. I'm not pleased with this. Shame is I'm not happy with myself. There's something inherently wrong with me. And shame can really be a deterrent in connecting with Allah's path at it. Because what a lot of times that eats away at your self-esteem and your self-worth, which then makes you think, I'm not deserving of a relationship with Allah. And that can really push you further away. So if you're experiencing guilt, that's healthy, right? Shame is something to work on and work on kind of getting back in touch with your self-worth. So I want to get back to the question at hand. And, you know, this question came up in, in a DM from a woman and she just shared it with me. She's like, I'm struggling so much that I'm continuously asking myself, where is God? And I don't, just reading that kind of struck me. And I, it was, it's, it's, you know, it's, here is one thing, but to just even read it and soak it in. I was like, it's, it's so unfortunate that somebody is at that point where they're suffering so much that they're questioning, where is Allah in my hardships? Where is he? Why am I not being helped? Why do I feel so alone in my hardships? If God existed, I wouldn't be suffering this much. What do we say to these people, Sara? Because it was it was very hard for me to respond back to her because it's like anything I can say, she's really going to take it in. And, and it's, it's, it's not something that I feel like I am ready to be able to respond and, and answer and give her a thoughtful answer and, and help her out with this because there are a lot of people out there that are suffering from one hardship to the next. They feel like they can't catch a break. They feel like they can't find the ease within their hardships and they feel like they're just so alone and why are they the only ones that, that can't come up for air? How do we respond and help those people out? As you're saying that, right? Like that's a thought that a lot of people really struggle with. Like how can... I'd be going through this type of hardship and all this pounds out of sees it and I feel so alone in dealing with it. Why is he allowing this to happen to me? Why doesn't he bring me that ease and that relief that I'm waiting for? And there's a lot of whys that come, that a lot of questions that come up. And one of the things that always comes to mind is where the Prophet experienced a struggle of feeling like where did Allah's Prophet disappear to? Not maybe not in the same way that we experienced this with a trauma, but after he started to receive revelation, there was a long period of time when he he didn't have it, and he really started to worry that Allah's Prophet was upset with him, that he had forsaken him, and all of these things. And, and that feeling, I think, is something that a lot of people really struggle with. That feeling of 
feeling abandoned or forsaken or forgotten. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent like the next surah that came, Surah Al-Duha, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a response, you know, where he says, what duha, right? Like by the morning brightness. And he goes on until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, your Lord has not forsaken you, O Muhammad, and, and he, nor has he detested you. He doesn't hate you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. And he goes on and he says the hereafter is better than what you're dealing with right now. The pain that you're dealing with, it's temporary. It will pass. And the rewards that you experience in the hereafter are going to be just tremendous. And that he reminds him of the times that his protection has been there, that that he has, you know, that that all those times where you thought you were alone in your suffering, when the Prophet ﷺ was an orphan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, did I not find you as an orphan and give you refuge, right? You know, like the Prophet ﷺ experienced the trauma of seeing his mother pass away in front of him when he was like six, six years old, subhanAllah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of him. So he brings up all of these different situations to reassure him that I'm always there. I'm always with you. Even if you can't see it, even if you can't always feel it, just know that I am. And that's something that I think is really, really important for, for us to, to realize is a lot of times we see our lives based on a pixel. We, you know, like if our lives are this huge picture and then we zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in until we can see one pixel, the entire picture is distorted and we can't see the whole picture. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can, right? And so when we're focused on that one pixel of suffering that we're dealing with. And it can be very, very intense. This is not to invalidate, not to underestimate it. But I do want to reassure that this will pass, you know, and as we zoom out and we start to see the whole picture, right, when we start to grow and we start to heal, a lot of times we look back at that time and we realize, okay, I get it now. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. But in the moment, it's really, really hard to, to, to look at things as like a as a big picture and to imagine how good could possibly come after all of this hardship. That's so beautifully said, Sara, because it reminded me of something that I seen online and it said, you know, we're so grateful for the open doors. We, we think those are our blessings. We can just walk right through them, take our blessings in abundance and whatnot. But we often forget that it's the closed doors are truly blessings in disguise as well. Those are the doors that Allah is protecting us from, from things that we don't, we can't even imagine that we're going to yeah. go through and he's protecting us from going through that. And I know in the moment, it's hard to imagine that. It's hard to just even realize like, oh my God, Allah is protecting me. But even today, just on my drive to Zaina's house to record this episode, I was thinking every second of our lives is accounted for. Every second, like I was just annoyed with all the red lights. I was like, I'm so late. I need to record this episode. But I was like, why don't I just shift my perspective and look at these red lights? Like maybe subhanAllah, somehow, some way, Allah protecting me from something yeah maybe that if that red light was a green light who knows what could have happened you know what I mean I don't want to speak things into existence but I I'm starting to shift my perspective to start looking at focus more so on the things that I'm protected from more so than the things that I'm given I I obviously I'm very grateful for the things that I'm handed all the blessings and whatnot but it's those things that Allah protects me from that's what really shows me just how much he loves me but there's that question is God angry with me is there such a thing as God ever being angry with us so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can get angry, right? And there, you know, we see ayat about it and people who have done such horrible things and, you know, and things like that. But what I really want to emphasize, right, is like the idea that um, there's also another hadith about this that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this hadith, let's see, that I am as my servant expects me to be. If we expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is angry with us, 
what happens is we respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if he's angry with us, as if he hates us. And what do you do in a relationship with somebody who hates you? You avoid them, yeah. right? You avoid yeah. them or you say cruel things or, you know, all of these different things. Nobody wants to be in a relationship with somebody who's angry with them, right? And so, you know, Allah is at, like he says, I am as my servant expects me to be a lot of times also in part because of the way that we act because of the way we expect him to be. So why put ourselves in that position? of expecting, okay, Allah subhanahu wa hates me. No, instead put ourselves in the position of, okay, Allah subhanahu is not pleased with this part of what I'm doing. But overall, like he gave me the greatest honor of being guided to Islam. Is that an indication that he hates me? No, right? And then also like when you look at the tests that we go through, we see the hadiths about like the different kinds of tests that a person, a Muslim can go through. And every hadith talks about the rewards that come with it. Every ayah that talks about the struggles that you experience in this life talks about the rewards. You know, like the, the hadith where the Prophet says that there's not um, there's nothing that ever befalls a Muslim. Uh, difficulty, distress, pain, you know, turmoil, even the prick of a thorn, except that it erases his sins. Or like um, a woman who, you know, this is, uh, we're recording this during uh, the, a time of like a pregnancy loss awareness month, right? A woman who experiences a miscarriage, her child will drag her to Jannah. That child who she lost will drag her to Jannah. In the moment, it feels like a punishment. It feels so painful that you can't imagine it being anything other than a punishment, right? But all of these different things show us that it's the opposite, that, that there's so much reward and so much love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending your way as you're struggling with this. So much guarantee of goodness and happiness in the hereafter that comes with this. So when we think, oh, I'm going through all of this, Allah must be punishing me, he must be angry with me, he must hate me. But all of the evidence is showing you the opposite. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you know, Allah tests those he loves. So if we look at it that way, right, then then it our expectation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changes and the way we interact with him changes. So when he says, I am as my servant expects me to be, then, you know, our, our experience with him is going to be very, very different. It's really like a relationship, like you said, I mean, you would, you wouldn't treat a friend that way. Why are we treating a relationship with God that way? And it kind of, I don't know if this is related, but it, it kind of reminded me of a conversation I had with my husband the other day. And he's like, Zaina, why do you think we say Allah Yastar? And I'm like, I don't know. I've always said it, but yeah. I've never like really understood the meaning behind it. And he, it's really, may Allah protect us. May Allah shield us from what we don't know or what is behind that closed door, as Dunya said. And I don't know, for some reason, it brought me back to that conversation of we never know what our hardships bring and we never know what those closed doors, what lies behind them. And I think that's just Allah protecting us and shielding us from, you know, what we don't know from the unknown. And like Zaina said, it is a relationship with Allah. And like you said, it's well thought of. So I feel like right away when somebody asks who is God or where is God as well, it's almost like now you're and in a way you're seeing God as a stranger. So if we're meeting somebody for the first time, we're not just going to sit there and just stare at them. We're going to want to yeah. learn more about them. If you want to develop a relationship with somebody and you're intrigued to develop a relationship with somebody, you're going to want to learn more about them. And I think I'm not saying this is the one solution, one blanket solution that's going to solve everybody's issues who is feeling this way. But I feel like the more we learn about Allah, 
the more we realize just how merciful our, our creator is, how loving he is, how kind he is, how forgiving Allah can be. And I think that's what really brings comfort to my heart, that there is no sin greater than his mercy, than his rewards and his blessings, subhanAllah. And I think just this past year, just learning more and more about him through books, through even just his names, just the 99 names, there's things that we memorize that are just useless, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like, what about learning more about our own creator that's going to serve and benefit us in, in this dunya right now in this temporary world so for people right now who you know it's hard for them to admit but for people who do view Allah as a stranger right now what steps should they take to find that find their way back find their way back to him you know you hit the nail on the head there you know you can't trust someone you don't know and um, I think a lot of times when somebody goes through a trauma naturally their trust in everything gets shaken. Their trust in the world, their trust in themselves, a lot of self-doubt comes up. Their trust, especially if they've gone through some sort of betrayal, their trust in people. And then naturally, like the same brain areas that are involved in trusting others are going to be involved in trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so naturally, a person who has gone through a really big struggle, a really big trauma, might really struggle with trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the best ways to be able to overcome that is through getting to know him. I think a lot of times we have these misconceptions about who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly is. You know, a lot of times we're raised with an emphasis on fear rather than love. But, you know, like love is the foundation of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else is secondary. And um, in order to really be able to love him, in order to, to be able to trust him, we have to know him. And I, you know, you mentioned like the 99 names of Allah. That's my that's my favorite way. I actually prescribe that to a lot of my clients is, you know, pick a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this week and read about it. You know, like there are different websites that have articles, just even like the, the direct translation of the root of the word to understand it what verses it appears in in the Quran and things like that. And then take the step to think about, well, how does this name manifest in my daily life, right? It's not just a name. It's not just like, you know, like a relationship with another person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the highest, right? Like, and, and he's beyond comparison. And when we get to know, like, for example, the name As-Salam, the, the giver of peace and safety, right? The source of peace, tranquility, safety, calm, right? When we really get to know that name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we think, okay, well, how does that manifest in my daily life? When you are sitting with your cup of tea in a quiet house, right? And you're able to realize, okay, in this moment, I am safe. In this moment, I am calm. That is being bestowed upon me by as-salam. All of that is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you start to really attribute. You start to see a lot of the good in your life that you've been ignoring, the blessings in your life that you've been ignoring. And you start to attribute it to to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that starts to really strengthen your relationship with him. Uh, such a good point. I mean, I remember in Islamic school, they made us memorize the 99 names of Allah, but we never dived into the meetings. And I feel like that's going to be my next assignment is really getting to know each name, what the meaning behind them is. And I think that will help me in my my journey. That's what I was doing this past Ramadan. And it was something different that I've never done before. And I absolutely loved it. And it's true. You take your cup of tea, you go in a quiet place in your house, and you just start learning more about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's, it's so beautiful. It was it was genuinely, you feel like you're connecting with Allah. Mm-hmm. You're taking time out of your day. And the thing is, sometimes, you know, it's I, I was reading this. It was so interesting. And it was like, if you can't reserve 30 minutes out of your day for Allah, then you need to reserve an hour out of your day for Allah. That doesn't make sense. They're like, well, how it does make sense. Because if you can't give Allah, the creator of time, just 30 minutes of your time, 
then you have you're in a bigger problem. You're in a bigger situation than you really think you are in. And that's so true because sometimes I think we we go about our days and we only think of Allah in fleeting moments, and we think of Him only when we pray. If we even get to the five daily prayers, and I feel like you know I used to be somebody who used to go from lecture to lecture, from just going to the gym, going to all those places, going to conventions, and now I just feel like the world is kind of at a halt because of COVID and whatnot, and you know things are not the way they used to be. So I think it's now we're becoming more distant from you know taking time out of our day to go to lectures, to learn more, to watch videos and stuff like that so I feel like you know maybe just pick up something that really interests you like right now I'm reading a book that honestly really interests me and it's all about Allah and it's about our our faith and it's so beautifully put and it just helps me connect more and more and I feel like yeah that is a step towards Allah and I think that you know we're never a stranger to Allah it's it's the other way around we see Allah as a stranger sometimes so I think it's just the whole going back to just cultivating a relationship with our creator. Sometimes it's hard for people because it's not a physical being. It's not in front of you. But you have to understand that Allah is with you at all times throughout your day, at every single point of your day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, one of the one of the things that we often struggle with is is that right, is that a lot of times in our minds, we forget that his presence is constant, his protection is constant, you know, we struggle to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but in reality, every moment, we're trusting him when we realize that when we breathe in our lungs fill up with air, and they and it gets let out, we're trusting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to allow our bodies to function in that way. And so any little thing that we can do to take the time. I mean, I actually really love what you said about the half hour and then taking out one hour if you can't. Because, you know, when we have a real situation is when we need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even more. And so that's when, you know, that's when we have to, you know, put in the extra effort to to connect. And when we realize, you know, one of the things that I think is the hardest thing that comes with trauma is that like our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be such a rock for us, right? It can be such a source of support and healing and safety, which is exactly what we need because that's the opposite of trauma. When we're traumatized, we everything is shaken. We feel unsafe. We feel like we're in a, a dark place, right? And Allah subhanahu wa provides the opposite. He provides refuge. He provides safety. He provides stability. He provides support. He provides light. And when we go through a trauma, if we then lose out on that light, it's a very um, sad consequence of it. So any small step we can take is going to be very, very powerful. Um, and I often recommend that people start with something body oriented because it feels more solid. So, you know, even if you're like paying attention to, you know, using your senses to pay attention to ground you to that moment of safety where, you know, you find, you know, like a few things that you can see, remind yourself in that moment, who created these things? You know, who created those birds that I'm watching in the sky? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So in those moments of reigniting that feeling of safety in your body, you connect that with the one who's actually providing you with safety, which is Allah. You know, and I think going through this and having to deal with this, it can be a lonely journey, right? Like doing it yourself. I think at the, especially at night when you're, when you're by yourself in bed, I think we kind of rely on ourselves to heal all our problems. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls is we do need our community and we need a community that is not only judgment free, but is supportive in whatever journey, whatever difficulty we're going in. And I think our community can be judgmental and especially when it comes to questioning God and where he's at and is he around us and is he, you know, does he love me? Does he hate me? I think our community can be a little bit tough and rough when it comes to accepting that. And and it's not even accepting it, but just hearing that you're like, oh my God, it's like you're not a believer. 
But I think our community needs to do a better job of just being a backbone and helping those going through something difficult. And you know what, Zaina, on that note, too, because it's true, I think it's, you know how we were taught our, our faith more so from a fear-based, like you said, Sada, from a fear-based perspective. Imagine what our parents were taught. So yeah. if we were taught from that yeah. perspective, our parents were taught even our religion in a harsher manner. And even sometimes, even my mom says, you know, religion was even that, not that that common, but when they came to the States, it was a different world. It took them time to acclimate mm-hmm. and then then to actually build masajid then actually and they didn't to, have the resources like they we didn't do. have the resources so we're lucky that our generation has the resources so yes there is that generational gap that generational disconnect with how we are trying to bring back our youth to our faith or bring back whoever is you know removed from faith it doesn't mean have to be youth it could be just us grown yes. adults yeah. that have found themselves you know struggling so i think it's important and, I, and one more thing i want to mention is when we were talking about too depressed to pray the one thing that we forget to also mention is when people are depressed they're not just too depressed to pray they're too depressed to brush their teeth they're too depressed to shower to go out with friends to even just go about their day it isn't that when they're depressed it only dissolves their faith it's a lot of other things that they are just finding themselves exhausted and can't even do oftentimes we think that oh no their faith their iman is it's it's gone it's horrible no there's other things that they're also struggling with so if we realize that the same person can't brush their teeth or shower or go out with friends, there's a bigger issue than, oh, it's just their faith. So we have to find the source of that issue. And I think that's why we are always misdiagnosing. That's the unfortunate situation. No, absolutely. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Um, you know, both these points that you're mentioning, the idea that that depression or, or anxiety, also the impacts of trauma, basically, in general, can just be, uh, they're across the board right? They don't. And spirituality is one of the um, casualties that come with it, along with every, uh, you know, every other aspect of a person's life being impacted by it. And for people to realize, you know, like what, what was the idea of like community support, that that is something that is so valuable. Like what would happen if a person comes and says, I'm having these like struggles with these thoughts, like negative thoughts about Allah's parents where I just like can't get myself to pray. And somebody says, well, you know, that's, you know, astaghfirullah, that's like really, uh, I don't, I don't know. You should just really like, you just have to get up, like just do it. Right. Like if somebody responded like that and like, what's that going to do for a person internally, they're going to say, well, there really is something wrong with me. Like even like this person can't even think of like something kind to say to me, I must be really just like too far gone. Right. So what's the point versus if somebody like, you know, quotes the Prophet and says, you know, the companion struggled with thoughts like this, too. Um, or, you know, or, yeah, you know, like when you've been through something really difficult, there's going to be a lot of stuff in your life that's impacted and make a dot for them. Whatever, whatever it is to provide them with some comfort. You know, the Prophet said that it's more beloved to me to walk, to help my brother or sister who's, you know, with anything to give aid to them, then to spend an entire month praying in my masjid in, in Medina, right? Like the most beloved act to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, is to do anything to alleviate the burden, alleviate distress or from your Muslim brother or sister. And so, so like to do that kind of thing. So when somebody comes to us with a concern, they're giving us like this door to blessings by allowing us to help them. This is an opportunity when somebody is struggling and they come to you, right? This is an opportunity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent for you to do the thing most beloved to him. And so like we should be thanking a person who is open enough with us to trust us 
with this and to give us this opportunity and, you know, validate what they're going through, validate it, and then offer them whatever support we can, because that makes such a huge difference um, in, in terms of their, their healing journey. Wow. That's, that's so impactful, honestly. Just even the last part where she was talking about validation, when I started seeking therapy and the moment that my therapist just said, I validate what you're going through, I, you, what you went through is, is just truly traumatic and, and, you know, et cetera. I couldn't believe that that sentence held so much power and gave me so much relief. It's like a weight lifted off your shoulders. Yeah, because it's, it's not something that was just in my mind. It's not something that I exaggerated. It's not something that I need to get over. Here is somebody in front of me that I just told them everything. And they told me that you have every right to feel the way that you feel. Imagine if you went to your community and they said that and they validated your feelings. As a community, we're not supposed to give people a feeling of despair. We're supposed to give them a feeling of hope. That's what we're meant to do. And and you have to put, and the thing is like, we need to just empathize with each other more. You know, find it as a blessing that you are not the one seeking this help or, or the one that can't pray. And, and if you have somebody approach you in that sense, be there for them. Be there for them because honestly, you never want to be in those people's, in that person's shoes. And it's, it's truly a difficult shoes to fill and to, to live a life like that where you do feel like you're alone. And more often than not, these people do feel like they're alone because they can't open up to their family. Maybe they don't have siblings that are close in age or understanding. Um, and sometimes you kind of have to go through that same traumatic situation for somebody to truly understand you. It's not that easy to like provide words of comfort if you didn't face what that person faced. Maybe it's domestic violence, sexual abuse, or whatever it may be. So I, I can't thank you enough for just sharing that part about validation and just, you know, being a community that helps one another. Absolutely. And I think sometimes people have a fear of if I validate this, then I'm saying, oh, it's okay that you're not praying or, or, you know, that it, it gives people like the permission to leave things that we know are beneficial, but that's not what it does, you know, and that's something that we is really important for us to know for ourselves too. A lot of times we beat ourselves up because we think that's going to be what motivates us to do better right? It's like, oh, I can't believe I ate that chocolate cake. Oh, I'm a horrible person. Or, or, oh, I can't believe that I missed this, this salad today. I'm just, it's terrible. Like there's no way that I can ever make up for this. Right. Or whatever that is. Like we think beating ourselves up is going to be the solution. But again, it's, there's a difference between healthy guilt and shame. Shame is going to propel you further away from your goal. And in this case, it's connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Guilt is going to be like, oh, you know, like I really feel down that I missed this prayer and everything. But, you know, I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, created human beings with the capacity to make mistakes and also with the capacity to seek forgiveness. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Right. So being compassionate can propel you toward good and being compassionate to others can propel them toward good too. It's not, it's not the idea of giving permission to just do whatever and be okay with it. You know, and I think that's why people sometimes are fearful of the validation piece, but it's really a misconception. Validation is really, really important. Yeah, and I think this conversation is really beneficial to not just those who are struggling with their relationship with Allah, but even those on the opposite end, like you said, who are people are coming to them with those feelings and just are opening like the up to them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think this conversation is good for both parties. And, and I mean, I learned a lot just from the last part of what you said. I mean, how do you not just validate those feelings, but also lead them toward the help that they can get and, and bring them back to Allah. 
So this is a very loaded question, Sara. It's a very layered question, I think. And it had me thinking, uh, what is the purpose of us? What is the purpose of our existence? Because when you think about it, somebody can easily say, well, yeah, it's, it's an obvious answer. It's to worship Allah. But it's like, whatever we do, Allah is whole on his own. Our worship is not going to help him, nor is going to negate his existence. How should we respond to somebody that does ask, what is my purpose in this life? Why do I exist? So it is a really heavy question, Mashallah. You know, and I think that that a lot of uh, a lot of us struggle with this idea of like, okay, I need a sense of purpose in my life, a sense that will give me a sense of fulfillment. And I know that the idea of okay, you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He says, you know, uh, that He didn't create jinn or mankind except to worship Him, right? Like He very clearly outlines that. And it sounds like a very simple answer, but when you really kind of delve in deep. It really isn't simple, right? It's it's very profound. Like it when you think about okay, our sole purpose in this life is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the idea that, okay, but Allah doesn't benefit or lose if we worship him, right? But why why is that a mental requirement on our part for us to feel like this could be purposeful, right? That whether whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gains or loses from it, that's not our concern. He's proud of us when we do good, right? He loves to connect with us, right? He has, and obviously the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's emotions are different than ours, right? But he but there are some very clear things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. He uses the word loves a lot, that he loves those who do this. He loves. So there is, you know, that part of our purpose being impactful, right? But Again, right, our focus is on us. Our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unlike any other relationship. With every person in our lives, it's like this this give and take, right? Where, okay, if this person, if I do this, then this person is going to be really sad. So I won't do it because they're going to be, you know, sad and, and things. It's going to really impact them and everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets us know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not impacted by whether you do this or not. But at the same time, your job here is to please me because I've given you everything, right? I am the one who gives you every every goodness in your life. I'm the one who gives you the air in your lungs. I'm the one who gives you this. And I ask for just a few things because this is your test. This is your purpose in this life. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, um, does for us. But I think when we're thinking about, okay, well, my purpose is to worship Allah. It sounds like, oh, okay, so I just have to pray. I just have to do these things. I have to follow the five pillars. And that's true, right? That's like the, that's the foundation of Islam. But in reality, when we think about purpose, purpose is something that is within every fiber of our being, every moment of our lives, right? And in reality, we can make, transform every moment we have to a worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So like, when I am, you know, doing the the dishes or like taking care of my kids, who you can probably hear in the background right now. It's um, okay. <laughs> we love it. We love the background noise. We have so many amazing mother, mothers that come on here, and it's like Mashallah. it's incredible to have you guys as guests because you guys just do it all. And Mashallah. if your kids want to do a little, you know, they want to show up, let them show up. It's totally I fun. honestly was so into what you were saying. I didn't hear any Me background. Either, I really said. didn't. I had like this weird, like I don't know, yeah, out of body like, experience when yeah. she's talking. Like, I was like, whoa. oh my god, that's yeah. so true. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, yeah. the idea of, you know, either I, I personally find it as like this simple statement provides meaning 
for things that can get monotonous or sometimes meaningless, right? Like as a mom, we always don't, okay, well, it's a beautiful, honorable job to be able to take care of our children and everything. But a lot of times it's a tiring and it can be a very thankless job. But when I think about it in terms of like, oh, how does this manifest as a form of my purpose, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And I think, you know, me like taking care of these um, children and their needs is something that is beloved to Allah. And he's the one who's taking care of my needs and through me, allowing me to take care of their needs and everything. And it's just a very powerful like realization to realize that our entire lives can be interconnected through that worship. And so every moment can feel very meaningful and purposeful. I think, you know, the word pawn has this negative connotation with it in mm, this yeah. in this temporary world, but truly we are a pawn in each other's lives. And in somehow, some way, we all affect one another. It's like this web of just individuals that somehow, some way, whoever you come across has impacted your life. Everybody has a purpose in your life. Whoever you come across, they have a true purpose in your life. Whether this person caused you harm or they caused you goodness to come into your life, there is a reason. And I feel like you know, I'm, I, I've started to recently just look at my life where every single little thing that happens, every daily occurrence is by the will of Allah. Yeah. Everything that comes to existence into my life has a purpose. Like Allah created everything with a purpose. So even just you waking up today, that that that's Allah giving you a purpose. There's a purpose why he woke you up today. He doesn't create or do things just to do them. There is a reason. There's a story behind It's a great reminder. Yeah. So I genuinely want to thank you, Sara, for this much-needed conversation. It was a very deep and thought-provoking conversation. There are so many things that I've learned. And this is a conversation that's very difficult. And I can't thank you enough for doing this work in our community. And I absolutely love all the content that you create and all the lectures that I've just listened to you online and everything like that. And I've just learned so much from you. And I genuinely hope that people find this conversation very beneficial. I really think I know, they will. Yeah. I know we did. I'm just very grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Sada, for all thank the work you. that you do. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to speak with you both about this. Um, I really, it's, it's just a topic I'm really passionate about. I love it. And so, um, and you, all of your insights were just, you know, like, were just really powerful for me to hear as well. And I really, really enjoyed it. Thank so, you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Sara. I think 2020 is the year that has a lot of people questioning, where is God? You know, we are in the midst of a global pandemic that is resurging for the second time, taking so many loved ones away from us. We have a election period that keeps dragging on, and it feels like we do not have a positive outcome, no matter which opponent wins. There's a lot on people's minds right now, and even personal things that we are dealing with on our own, you know, other than the pandemic, other than the election, other than the news that we're constantly hearing 24-7. I don't blame people for asking you know why is this happening yeah and there's a story that i wish i had the source so i can provide it for you guys but it was a man and he was just talking to god and he's like god where are you look at the world it's in shambles it's one catastrophe after the next look what are you going to do how are you going to help us and what's your solution and god replied by saying well i created you and subhanallah it struck me and i was like wow like i think we forget the impact that we can have on others i think we forget the things that we can do to help this world to make it a better place for other people 
to kind of change the life of someone else, even just a loved one or somebody nearby. I'm not saying for you to carry all of the world's trauma on your shoulders. We've talked about this before. That's not possible. That's not what Allah wants. But what can you do? What kind of ripple effect can you do to kind of just improve and, and you know, have a positive impact on somebody else that's near you or just a community or somebody out there? You know what I mean? I think oftentimes we just kind of, we dwell. We dwell on the hardships that we're facing. It's hard when you're listening to the news and it's one bad news segment after the next and it's like breaking news after that. It's like, I, I just can't. I get overwhelmed and I literally turn off the news. Yeah, and as someone who works in the news, yeah. it's kind of hard to turn it off. But I do this thing where when I'm not at work, I am not listening to the news. I know a lot of people, a lot of journalists are probably listening to this like, oh my God, how dare you? But for my mental health, I think I've taken that step to protect myself. You know, we're going through all of this hardships, all of this negativity. And I think that is meant to kind of bring us closer to God. And for a lot of people, it does the opposite. And, you know, how can we get back on the path of, I know that God is testing us. I know this is something that is supposed to bring me closer to him. But like I said, a lot of people, it it does the complete opposite for I think I needed this conversation. This was a conversation that I honestly just completely enjoyed. Again, we said like in the introduction, like there was no judgment in this conversation. Everything was just put on the table. And Sada was somebody who was able to answer every one of our questions, however however raw that it was or whatnot. It was just something that I know was on a lot of people's minds. And I always try to like ask our listeners um, when it comes to a topic that we're about to have, I like to just throw it out there and just feel their vibe and see what they have to say. And majority of them, you know, came back with these questions with these hard-hitting questions and and I just generally hope that everybody's dias are answered I hope that you Inshallah. find relief I hope you are a source of light in the lives of others and others are the same way for you Inshallah khair. Inshallah we can overcome this again it's November 4th well we're not recording November 4th we're releasing this November 4th so me and Zane are sitting here and we don't know if the world is going to be in, in more shambles after the election and whatnot so I just generally hope that you and your family stay safe I generally hope that we see just brighter days ahead and that we can all overcome this together. I think it's just, it it requires us to be kinder to one another. That sounds so cheesy, right? But that's that's what really needs to happen. We really need that, honestly. We really need kindness. You don't know how your words can impact somebody. So if you can bite your tongue a few times here and there, you're smiling at me because you know why. <laughs> bite your tongue. <laughs> but if you can bite your tongue and not attack somebody publicly or whatever, whatever it may be, just be kinder because yes. everybody's going through something. Everybody's going through it and you might not agree with their with who they are, what they do or whatever it is. You know, approach people with this sense of wanting to guide them instead of attack them and i'm just speaking in general terms i think this year i felt like the cancel culture was on a rampage um aside from the pandemic being on a rampage it was just so much so please just be kinder to one another you guys so inshallah i really hope you guys enjoyed this episode and lastly i i just can't say enough thank yous to sada sultan for just having this conversation with us and for every guest that has come on here and we just truly appreciate you and we're very very grateful absolutely thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week bye thank you.